I want to read this line. We just sang this, guys. Though Satan should buffet, though trial should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ has regarded my helpless estate and has shed his own blood for my soul. That's good news. And kind of what we're talking about tonight. Uh, good evening. I am so glad to see all of your faces in, in front of me. I, I, I miss you. And um, yeah, we, as Dolph was praying before a large group tonight, that we would be together again soon and sooner than we expect. I said yes, amen to that. Um, I hope that you were able to enjoy your couple days off last week. hope that was a gift to you. Uh, I hope you enjoyed my friend Casey who preached uh, two weeks ago. I, I want to say he's not listening right now, but thank you, Casey. He's, he's a good man, good friend, good pastor. Um, and he preached on the parable of the, of the mustard seed. And we're continuing our series on the parables of Jesus. And, and the parables are, are simply Jesus' favorite stories to tell. And, and he tells them because he knows that we are uh, people who embody story. We all have a story, and we all define our lives by the stories that we tell and that we, and that we share. And, and we know that sort of the richness of life is the way that our stories uh, unfold and grow and are interwoven with the stories of the people in our lives. But we also know, and we probably know in the past year uh, more than we maybe ever have, that our stories are marked by, by brokenness and by pain and by chaos and disorder. And, and it's only when we learn Jesus' story that we start to see our own stories in, in the light of his gospel and the truth of his love that, that things start to make sense. So that's why we're looking at these, at these stories. And tonight we're going to look at Matthew 13, and we're going to see a story that's about something that's uh, it's both very challenging and very sobering and very important to, to our life and to our understanding of what it means to be a part of the kingdom uh, of heaven. And, and that is the reality that this kingdom has an enemy who's opposing it. So, so tonight, we're, we're going to talk about the enemy of God and the enemy of our own souls. And, and so I just want to say that um, I, wanna, I want us to take a second. I'm going to actually pray right now to prepare our hearts for this because uh, there's a sense in which we're talking about a, an enemy who doesn't want us to talk about him. He, he doesn't want us to attend to the reality of his presence in the world. He doesn't want us to attend to God's word right now. He doesn't want us to be sobered so that we look to Jesus who loves us and saved us, but that's what we're going to pray happens. So I, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Uh, I'm going to pray out of order tonight. You guys can hang with me, I believe. Let, let's, let's pray. Lord, Lord Jesus, uh, I do ask that you would be with us right now and that the Holy Spirit would guard our hearts and our minds in your name. I ask that right now you would protect us from any attacks of, of the enemy who wouldn't want us to, to attend to him and who wouldn't want us to turn our eyes to you. I pray that... Um, we would be reminded of the way that you have already won that battle, that you are victorious and your power is greater. Lord Jesus, please speak to us right now so we might follow hard after you in the chaos of life. I pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. So I'm, I'm going to read for the this, this story now, the parable from Matthew 13. And this is like, if you remember this, if you were at the second large group, uh, there's times when Jesus explains his parables, and this is the other time he sort of does that more explicitly. So if you want to read the rest of Matthew 13, which I would encourage you to do, uh, you'll see that what I'm going to say tonight is not my own. It's because Jesus said this is what this means, okay? So that's, that's in verse, uh, verse 36. But we're going to read verses 24 to 30 from Matthew 13. It's going to be up on the screen in front of you. Please read along with me. And he, that's Jesus, put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came 
and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. So when the plants came up and bore grain, then the weeds appeared also. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, did you not sow good seed in your fields? How then does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. This is God's word. It's absolutely true, and he gives it to us because he loves us. Amen. Okay, so uh, Valentine's Day was a couple weeks ago, and, and on Valentine's Day, Maggie and I disclosed to our four daughters that we were going to be getting a dog, a family dog. And, and I, you know, I always, I have, I have a lot of, uh, I have a lot of ladies in my life, my wife, my four daughters, and so I always do a little something for them for Valentine's Day. And so this year, they each got a, a big stuffed animal dog. And uh, they didn't really know what was going on, but they, they like stuffed animals. They're, they're little girls. And so at the end of this, they're all excited about their stuffed animals. It's breakfast. And then Maggie brings out one more gift uh, that's, that's for me. And, and I open the bag, and it's another brown stuffed dog. And, and, I, and I, tell my, I tell my girls, uh, guys, this, this is a really special gift. Because this, uh, this dog has a name. His name is Pippin. And no, it's not Scotty Pippin. It's Peregrine Took. If you know, you, if you know, you know. Uh, this this is a this is a real dog. His name is Pippin. Uh, he, he's he's a real dog. And uh, blank stares from from my daughters. And Ellie Kate, my oldest, who's nine, uh, who's very smart and precocious, says, "Dad, that's not a real dog." And I said, uh, "Ellie Kate, yes, it is." And she said, "Dad, no, it's not." And I said, "Yes, it is." Blank stares from my kids. And I say, guys, uh, Pippin is a, is a real puppy, and he's going he's gonna to come live with us and be, our, and be our dog. And then they burst out into screams. Ruthie, who's seven, starts to just weep. Uh, it, was, it, was a really lovely, it was a really lovely moment in, in lots of ways. What, what I was trying to do in this moment is I was trying, to, I was trying to, to show them, I was trying to disclose to them something that they could not see, but that was real and alive and that I wanted them to attend to in their hearts and in their imaginations. You, you can't see this dog, but he's real, and we're going to start thinking about him and planning for him and dreaming and preparing our home and talking about what it looks like to take turns with the dog and not get into fistfight every single day at breakfast, right? I wanted them, I wanted them to attend to something that wasn't real. And, and that's what Jesus does in the parables. That, that's what happened when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God. He said, there's this thing, and you can't see it, but I want to enlarge your imagination so that you can attend to it because it's real and it's alive. And that's what, this, that's what this passage does. And of course, as I've already said, this passage is not opening our eyes to something wonderful. It's actually opening our eyes to something scary and something sobering, but something that is, is vitally important for life as people who are in the kingdom of God. And that is that the kingdom has an enemy. And the enemy has, has different names. Scripture calls him, him different things. Sometimes he's called Satan. Satan, the word Satan means, it means enemy or adversary. Uh, sometimes he's called uh, the devil. That's the accuser. Sometimes he's called the evil one. Th- these are names for this enemy uh, of God. And, and I kind of want to ask you, if you'd think for, your, for just a second, how often do you think about the devil? How often do you think about that? I feel like sometimes we can look at Christians and say, oh, you know, they talk about the devil way too much. 
You know, sometimes we can think, uh, maybe you're thinking this right now, I don't really think about that at all. But I, what, what, I, what I want to challenge you to wrestle with this week is the reality that there is a force that's always at work and its aim is to erode your trust and faith in God and replace it with ideas and affections that are contrary to who God is and what he loves. That's what I want you to wrestle with. There, there is a force that is always at work and its aim is to erode your trust and faith in God. And, and we're going to wrestle with that within the reality that in spite of that, Jesus is stronger, Jesus is better, and Jesus actually wins this fight. And it's going to feel at times as I'm talking like we're in this tug of war between the devil on one side and Jesus on the other side, and we don't know what's going to happen. And so the spoiler alert is that Jesus has won the victory, okay? But he calls us in this story to attend to this thing which we may not always pay attention to, which we cannot see, but which is very real and is at work in our lives to erode our faith and our trust in God. And so what, what this passage does is it points us to this reality. And so I want to look at what it means, what it's like to live in the kingdom of heaven in light of our enemy who opposes us, okay? And I think it means we do two things. It, it means we watch and we wait, okay? We watch and we wait. So first, uh, we, we watch. If you look, if, if you think through this story, which is a parable, right? It's an allegory. Uh, notice how the enemy gains access to the field. This is what it says in verse 25. It says, while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. While his men were sleeping, while they weren't watching, while they had their eyes closed, while their guard was down, the enemy comes in and he sows weeds. That, that is the tactic of the devil. That when we are uh, asleep in our hearts, that when we are not paying attention, he sneaks in, he infiltrates using stealthy tactics, and he starts to plant bad ideas. He starts to plant accusations. He starts to plant deceptions. He starts to plant fears. He starts to plant uh, out-of-control desires. This is, this is how Jesus describes it in another passage in John 10. He says, the thief comes, this part of this verse you'll know well, the thief comes only to kill, starts to steal, and to kill and destroy. He says what? I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so we live, again, the tug of war is an uneven tug of war, right? But we live in, in the midst of this battleground where Jesus is offering us life and the enemy is trying to prevent us from getting that life. He doesn't actually have anything that's his own. All, all he does is corrupt and pollute what is good that is from Jesus, okay? He comes when we're not paying attention, and his mission is to provoke animosity between us and God. His mission is to make us not to trust God. His mission is to make us think God is against us. His mission is to make us think we don't need God. He wants to provoke something. He wants to come between us and God. We, we've talked, if you remember the parable of the sower and the seeds, this has already sort of been explained to us by Jesus. He explains it again here, sorry, in verse 36, but uh, the sower is God the Father, and the seed is the Word. Of course, Jesus is the Word made flesh. He's the living Word. So Jesus is coming, coming to us from the Father, and our hearts are the soil. And so you've got, you've got Jesus who's giving us the gift of his Son that's coming into our hearts, that's bearing good fruit, and, and Satan is kind of trying to give something to him. He's trying to give these weeds that choke that out, right? 
Weeds that make it hard for the roots to get nutrients. Weeds that make it hard for the leaves to get sunlight. Do you, do you ever feel like that's happening to you? Do you ever feel like your, your faith and your relationship with God is just sort of not getting what it needs? It's sort of getting choked out. It doesn't have much life. Do, do you ever notice, man, I haven't really prayed in a while. I haven't read, my, I don't remember the last time I really read my Bible was. I don't remember the last time I enjoyed fellowship with other believers. I, I haven't even really been thinking about God. Do you, do you know that feeling? Right, okay, we all, we, of course we all do, right? That, that's the enemy. <laughs> That's what he wants for you, for you and for me. You, you ever feel like uh, those, those desires, which sometimes are kind of at bay in our hearts, the, the out-of-control desires, things like lust and greed and vanity and ambition, they, they sort of are rearing their heads. They're sort of in the forefront of our experience all of a sudden, and we don't know what happened. That's what the enemy wants for us. And the thing that we do in the light of that enemy and his tactics is we keep watch. We keep watch. We, we stay awake, unlike what the men in this, in this parable do. And when I say keep watch, I mean as a sentry who's patrolling the walls of a castle is keeping watch for any movements of the enemy. And he's straining to see through the dark and the mist and to make sure he doesn't miss anything that's going out on his watch. That that is the kind of vigilance that Jesus says we need. That's the kind of vigilance that Jesus says, says we need. And, and I say that because the, the devil loves it when we don't take him seriously. He loves it. There, there's, there's a line from, from a movie called The Usual Suspects, which you may know, that the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was making the world, convincing the world he didn't exist, which I think is actually a quote from like a French poet from the 18th century. I'm not totally sure. I Googled it today to see if that's a Kaiser Soze original. I don't think it is. I mean, that, he, he, he wants us to kind of think right now, hey, this is a little bit of a weird sermon tonight. This is a little bit of a weird story tonight. Can't, can't we just talk about some of the fun stuff? That's, that's what he wants. And Jesus is saying, okay, I love you, and the good stuff is still there for you, but I want you to keep your eyes open. I want you to watch, okay? And, and we see the need for this in the very beginning of the Bible. If you think back to the, to the story of Genesis, if you can remember, I don't know if you've all read that. Uh, if, if you're not familiar with the Bible, you're not a Christian. Genesis, the beginning of Genesis is the account of God creating the world by the word of his power out of nothing, but the abundance of the love in his heart. And, and, he, and he creates the world, and he creates man and woman, and he puts them in this garden called Eden, and, and what happens? The enemy infiltrates, right? And, and one of the sad things about this, about this story, often when people talk about this story, they, they talk about how Eve like, should have resisted him. The sad thing about the story in the garden is, is where Adam was while this was happening. As the serpent is infiltrating into the garden, where's Adam, the one who, who God told him, your job is to tend and to keep this garden, to keep watch, it means to guard and protect it from any threat, from any enemy. That's your job, Adam. And I, I don't know, is Adam asleep? Is Adam distracted? Is Adam wandering off? Is he not around? Is he just fooled by the serpent too? What we do know is that Adam should have stomped on the head of that serpent and killed it before it opened its mouth. <laughs> and instead, he, he sort of failed to keep watch. That's, that's the first failure of mankind. And it's one, of course, that we, that we repeat over and over again. And so I want to just talk for a second about what it means to keep watch. And I'm about to tell you to do the same things I tell you to do every week, okay? 
because I'm convinced that they're the secret of the universe, okay? Uh, Christians, we, we, we tend to operate uh, using religious and spiritual shoulds. You know what I'm talking about? Like, here's the religious and spiritual stuff I should be doing. And then if we are doing it, we feel really self-righteous. And if we're not doing it, we feel ashamed. You know what I'm talking about? Right? The, one of the reasons, I, I don't like that, okay? Christianity is not a religion of shoulds. It's a religion of, of love and of grace. And a way that we love Jesus in a way that we love and protect what he's created, which is us and our friends and our neighbors, is that, is that we keep watch. And the way that we do that is by cultivating a daily life in prayer and in the Bible. I do not want you to read the Bible because you are supposed to read the Bible. I want you to read the Bible so that your mind is so saturated with what is true that when a lie infiltrates your thoughts, you know what it is and you reject it. I want you to be so convinced that Jesus came to save sinners that when you start to hear, God must be sick of me because I messed up again, you say, that is a lie. Get that out of here. The Bible calls it taking your thoughts captive. I want you to become, uh, it to be so saturated in you that God is with you all the time that when you hear that, that deception, you are all alone and nobody sees you. You know, that is a lie. Jesus is with me right now. I want you to talk to God. I want you to be familiar speaking the truth and the, the vulnerable places in your heart to him so that you're used to his presence in your life. That, that's why we do it. It's a way that we keep watch against the enemy. And it is a gracious gift of Jesus that he invites us into those kinds of, of experiences of his truth and his grace. Okay, so that, that's the first thing. The, the second thing is the, other, is the other thing I say almost every week is that you need to prioritize cultivating intimate and vulnerable friendships with other Christians. And sometimes I get in trouble for saying this because people say, oh, does that mean if I'm not a Christian, I'm not worthy to be a friend? Or does that mean I shouldn't be friends with non-Christians? And that, uh, those, are not, those are not true, okay? But I think this is really important. And let me tell you why. Uh, this, has happened to me, uh, this has happened to me recently where I'll, I'll be going through an experience and I'm, and I'm processing it with my wife or I'm processing it with, with one of my friends. And, and I say something like, you know, I just feel like, you know, nothing... Nothing is really moving in my life. Or I say, I just feel like I'm kind of all alone and nobody sees me. Or, or, or I talk about the things that I'm afraid of, and, and, and I need Maggie or a friend to say, Lewis, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Do you know what, do you, know what you just said? Do you know that that's not true? That they're keeping watch for me in my own weakness, right? You, you really need friends who are walking with you, who know what's really going on with you, so that when you start to give in to deception, when you start to give into accusations and shame, when you start to give into fear, when you start to struggle with doubts, they can keep watch. They can say, no, that's not what's true. Let's talk about what's true for a second. Let's talk about forgiveness for a second. Let's talk about faithfulness for a second. Let's talk about the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Let's talk about the Holy Spirit that's been poured into your hearts through the love of God in Christ. Let's talk about that for a second. Reading the Bible and praying and having good friends is the secret of the universe, okay? You heard it here. Get it tattooed on you if you're a tattoo person, okay? That's what you should do. That's how we keep watch. We have an enemy. He's actually seeking to erode our faith and trust in God, so we have to keep watch, okay? That's what we do. Here, here's the second thing tonight is that, is that we wait. And um, one of the strange things uh, is that the, the servants, they notice these weeds, and they're really incredulous. And, and they tell the master, like, we saw you planting only good seed. Like, why are there weeds? And the master is, is unsurprised and unflustered. He just says, an enemy did this. 
This is the work of an enemy. He, he knows exactly what's, what's, going, what's going on. And when they ask if they should rip out the weeds, he says no, because he knows that, that weeds are, are interwoven with the good, and they're growing. He says, let them grow up together, because if you pull out the weeds, you're going to uproot the good grain, and I doesn't want that to happen. So I, I want to just point out a few things that stand out to me about, about, this, about this thing. Um, the first is the reality that you shouldn't be surprised at dark things in your life, because you have an enemy who's seeking to make dark things in your life heavy on your heart. Does that make sense? That there's, there's, a, there's an awareness of this kind of power in the world that opens our eyes and says, hey, when we see darkness in our own hearts and when we see darkness in the world around us, it, it doesn't really shock me. I'm prepared for that. I'm aware of that, and I want to fight against that. And sometimes we, we see things, uh, we see sin in our own hearts, or we see shame in our own minds, or we see people disappointing us, and we see brokenness in the world, and we see people on TV saying and doing things that we would never have imagined could, a good person could do, and we're shocked, right? But there's an awareness and a humility that comes from saying, you know what, that could be me any other day. I'm being opposed. There's, there's an enemy out there. Of course, things are, things are broken. Um, one of the other things that stands out to me about this section is, is, the way that, is the way that God prioritizes preserving what is good over destroying what is, what is evil. Do you see that? He says, I, I don't want you to tear out the weeds. I don't want you to get rid of that bad stuff because I want to protect what is good, this good seed. And, and I want to be careful here because this, this is a story, and this is what Jesus explains. He, he says this is a story about people. And some people are, are, are that, that good wheat. They're people who are walking in the light of God. And some people are what he says are sons of the devil. They're people who are not walking in the light. That, that's what these two people are, okay? So this is, this is not about, uh, you know, contemporary cultural partisan issues. But it makes me think about the way that we tend to do the opposite. That we tend to, instead of uh, embracing what is good, we tend to just want to get rid of what's bad. That, that's what cancel culture is, right? And, and, and one of the things that this, that this passage challenges me with is the, of, the, of the places in my own life that I look at things and I say, you know, there's, there's something wrong with that, so I need, to, I need to reject it. I want to keep that at a distance because do you see this thing? And, and it makes me think of, uh, and I'm, I'm going to give you an example, but it makes me think of the way that uh, in, in some of the circles that I'm aware of, groups of Christians that are mostly white will look at something like Black Lives Matter and they'll say, you know what, I, I looked at the website and there's something about there that I really think is wrong, so we've got to reject this. Or they'll look at some uh, activists who are doing certain kind of things and they'll say, see, see what these people did? All of this is wrong. And, and this, this challenges me to say, you know what? What is good and true and beautiful and just that I need to receive and I need to get on board with even though everything isn't perfect in my own perspective? Because, guys, nothing is perfect. And wherever we look, we have to, we have to embrace the reality that Jesus calls us to preserve what is good, not just to reject what is evil. And I, and I find that really challenging about this passage. What, what I think this is primarily about, though, is waiting. It's waiting. The, the men want to they immediately get in there and rip out the weeds. And Jesus says, wait. You think you know what's a weed and what's grain. But only I know. You think you know who's a good person and who's a bad person. But only I know. You think you know who's a real, genuine, legit Christian and who's only pretending, but you don't, only I know. This is actually a section about waiting to cast judgment on other people. Who's in, who's out, 
who's right, who's wrong, that is not your job. Your job is to resist the devil and to act in love in the world because Jesus is with you and that's what he did. Your job is not to judge other people for who is in and who is out. You actually have to wait. And the reason that you can is because that is something that Jesus is going to take care of. He's going to take care of it. And we're going to get to that in a second. He said, a day is coming when you can leave that up to me. I'm going to make everything right. I'm going to win the battle. I'm going to make everything clear, but it's going to be clear in my eyes, and it doesn't have to be clear in yours. So one of the things that we do here is this challenge of we're, we're keeping watch vigilantly, vigilantly against the, the, the attacks of the enemy in our own lives and in our communities, and we're resisting it and we're fighting it. But what we're not doing is accusing other people. What we're not doing is judging other people. It's actually something we're called to wait on. So that, that's part of the way we wait on Jesus. We have an enemy, and he wants to, he wants to steal, and he wants to destroy. And so we watch, and we, and we wait. We watch for movements of the enemy, and, and we wait on judgment, trusting Jesus, knowing that we ourselves have darkness in our hearts, right? And that we are saved by grace alone through faith. And so it all comes back to, this, to the centerpiece of the kingdom, which is, as we've said each week, it's actually the rule and reign of Jesus, who rules with love and truth and with mercy and justice. It all comes back to him. It, it, it may seem like a passage like this uh, doesn't give you the good news that you want, and it may seem like a passage like this, it raises more questions than it answers, right? And you may be, you may be listening right now and thinking like, okay, uh, who is the devil and what is the deal with this? And you may be sitting there thinking like, why does God allow this kind of uh, enemy to have agency and power and influence in the world? And you may be wondering, okay, some people are grain and some people are weeds and they're going to be burned. Am I okay with that? And like, is free will involved? Like, who gets to decide? I actually hope you wrestle honestly with these kind of questions. That's, that's what we're going to do in small groups this week. We're going to try to wrestle with some of these questions honestly. And we're going, to try to, we're going to try to open our eyes to something that is real but that we can't see. It's things like eternal realities. It's things like opposing forces of darkness. It's things like evil. And it's things like the hope and the victory of Jesus. Because in this tug of war between Jesus on one side and the enemy on the other side, what we see at the end is that uh, at the end there's this harvest. There's this picture of abundance. There's this picture of victory. There's this picture of redemption and a feeling. And so I want you to know that if, if you are worried about where you stand in this fight, look to Jesus, and then you'll know exactly where you stand. And if you are wondering if someone can ever move from one place to the other, you, you know, what if you're like, you know, right now I don't know if I'm one of these righteous wheat, wheat seeds. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm one of these weeds. Or what if someone I care about is? And I want to I remind you that this story is in the context of the story of redemption where God says everyone is invited to come to me. And it's a story that is filled with people who re repent and turn to Jesus and are saved. His mercy is more and it endures from age to age and his love it never fails. It never gives up. Everything that we sing tonight is, is this keeping watch, right? It's just reminding ourselves that although it is, it is sobering and scary to be reminded there's an enemy who is against us, the one who is for us is far stronger. He's far better. And you're secure in him. On Saturday, that's 
three days ago, I drove to Tazewell, Virginia, and I, and I got Pippin. He's a, now he's a nine-week-old chocolate lab. Laws, will you, I'm going to show him off for a second. We got a picture. I mean, look, are you kidding me? Look at this guy. He's beautiful. He's enormous, y'all. You can't tell. His paws are like this big, even as a puppy. Th thank you. We're good. Come over to my house and meet him in my backyard anytime, please. Okay? Some of you guys do that today, I think. Um, I, I went and I, I went and I, you know, I meet this breeder who I've only talked to on the phone and texted with, and uh, you know, I go over all the stuff about the dog and I get the vet records and everything. And then eventually, after about an hour, I, you know, I get Pippin and I put him in the in the front seat next to me and I get in my car and drive two and a half hours back home where my where my wife and my daughters are dying to meet this guy. And uh, Pippin has never been in a car like in his whole life. And everything about the smells, uh, the smells are different, the sights are different, the sound is different, and he's, you know, shaking, and he's nervous, and he's disoriented, and he's confused. He's scared, right? Sounds like 2020 slash sounds like 2021, right? And uh, just a few minutes into the drive, Pippin stands up and crawls across the console and the cup holders into my lap, and I have my, my arm in the steering wheel, and he puts his, puts his chin on top of my arm, and he goes to sleep. Something in his little puppy brain told him, I am safe if I am close to dad. I, I am safe if I am close to this guy, right? And, and that's where I want to leave you tonight. Because it is a little scary that there's an enemy. It should scare you. It should sober you. You need to be aware. Jesus wants you to be aware. But he also wants you to know that there is a place that's safe. And that if you draw near to Jesus, nothing can touch you. And he opens his arms to welcome you into not just his love, but his protection, to his grace and his presence with you, even when you're under attack, even when life is crazy. So I, come to Jesus. Draw near to him, and you'll be safe. Because he is far stronger than the enemy who opposes him. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, I, I praise you that you are safe. I praise you that in stretching out your arms on the cross, you welcomed us to you in love. I praise you that in your victory over death, which you say is the final enemy, that you have, uh, you've taken away the power of the enemy and that we are secure in you, not just now, but for all eternity. Lord, I pray, uh, Holy Spirit, right now that you'd be at work in our hearts as we process this, as we think about the, the realities of this force that opposes us that's evil. I, I do, for my own self, for my family, for students here, for your church across the world, I, I pray for a sober awareness of this enemy so that we might keep watch. And Lord, I pray for a, a steadfast confidence that you are safe and you are good and you've won the battle. Lord, please... Give us that experience of drawing close to you and knowing your love and your protection in the arms of your love. Jesus, pray in your name. Amen.